Everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Lindsay Kaplan, the co-founder of G, the most powerful network of executive women in the world. What began as an idea to drive more women into power and keep them there is now a $1.1 billion unicorn. With a national network of over 15,000 executive women who collectively manage $221 billion of the U.S. economy. Today, over 60% of Fortune 100 companies have chief members in their ranks, and the company's waitlist is over 60,000 women. Prior to founding Chief, Lindsay spent the majority of her career leading marketing for high-growth startups, including Casper, which transitioned from a mattress product company to a beloved global sleep brand under her leadership. Lindsay has been named a New York Times Dealbook Groundbreaker, one of Business Insider's most innovative CMOs in the world, and one of Ad Age's leading women. Take a listen. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to chat with you. I've been a huge fan um, of what you've built, and so I'm excited to dive into the, the woman behind it all. Ah, and the women, because my co-founder is not on right now, but um, she is my rock, and there's definitely two of us. Love that. So for those tuning in, Lindsay Kaplan is the co-founder and chief brand officer of the executive women's network, Chief. You guys just raised so much money, uh, over $100 million, bringing your valuation to $1.1 billion. And I wanted to talk, to say that at the beginning of this interview, because it is very rare that women get to raise money and when they do something like that. So just wanted to say congratulations and hell fucking yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Even hearing those numbers, I'm like, damn, that's, that's a big number. It's a big number. It's a big not, number. Not, not I, hope I, I hope I don't screw up. No pressure. No <laughs> exactly. pressure. So let's go back to before Chief. What were you doing and what in, what did you and your co-founder, you know, talk about that sort of launched this? Yeah. So prior to Chief, my co-founder and I had both worked at different startups. Um, I personally had worked at some small ones and I, I felt like I was burning out. I... Um, I was running marketing. It's really hard to run marketing at startups that don't have traction because everybody looks at the marketing person to fix the problems. And so I had hit a place in my life where I was either going to move upstate and write a novel or go get my MBA when I got a note from another startup founder who said, come join my startup. Um, and I said, okay, one more startup. And that became Casper. So I joined Casper, the mattress company, pre-launch, pre-revenue as, um, as I'm using air quotes of like VP of communications and brand. And I'm using air quotes because there was six of us I wasn't actually VP, right? I was VP of like, you know, the shared desk I was I was using. Of the crash game. Yes, I get it. <laughs> yeah, right? Like I was like, there's six of us. I can have whatever title I want. And so in that position, I did eventually become an actual living, breathing VP. So while I was there, we had, um, we expanded rapidly. It was a, quite a ride. And I hit a place where I had an actual team. I had 25 people. I had a few different departments under me. And I felt like my decisions were becoming more and more important. And at the same time, I was being asked to mentor a lot of the younger people at Casper. And 
I had this realization that like I didn't really fully know what I was doing. Um, and yet here I am telling young people what they can do to become a VP and, and, and how to get ahead. And I had a coach, but I felt really isolated. It was a great founders, but a lot of men at the top, unsurprisingly. And I just felt like isolated and alone and stressed all the time. And my co-founder had also a similar experience. She was COO at Handy. And she felt that same weight of, I'm around a lot of men. I'm kind of put on this pedestal of being a woman in charge, and therefore I should know everything and be giving other women advice. But who's mentoring the mentors? And so that's what led us to come to the idea of chief, which was really developing a place where women in leadership positions could come together, network with each other, normalize challenges, and be vulnerable and have a confidential space to talk through their challenges. So starting with an idea is one thing, launching something that then quickly swells into 15, you know, over 15,000 members is another. So what were what were some of the first steps you took and how did you convince people in a, in a time where you had the wing, you have Luminary, you have WeSuite, you have Female Founder Collective? Like, how do you say, okay, this is what sets us apart. This is how we're going to pursue this. We certainly launched in the shadow of some incredible organizations. And I think it's so important for all of these different um, women's companies to exist because there are so many needs, there's so many communities, and women really need to forge these connections. So I think what started off really daunting for us um, has turned into a realization that what Chief does is a little different because we are specifically looking at women who are in, in executive leadership positions. So typically, and title doesn't usually always matter because as evidenced by the fact that I was a fake VP, we do think women at this level really need to come together and have this safe space. But we certainly launched and and went fundraising and heard that. We heard over and over again, you know, the the wing is fantastic. Why would we invest in you? Um, or I've already invested in a company so similar to you. Um, we were hit with oh so many no's. Uh, so it was it was disappointing. It was crushing. Um, and it lit a fire under our asses. And I think if you hear a no, you can either be defeated or you can use that as an, um, I, I better crush this because I'm going to prove to everybody who doubted me that this is going to work. And so all of those no's, eventually a few yeses broke through and we raised uh, our seed round of $3 million uh, back in 2018. And we launched in 2019 with um, 200 founding members in New York. And it's funny, those 200 founding members, I remember an investor saying like, who's going to join after you tap your friends? And I was like, what friends? Like, I am a working mom. I have like no friends. <laughs> I work all the time. I had a little kid at home. I don't have that many friends. Uh, so um, we actually sent out cold emails to people pre-launch, just sharing what Chief was, asking if they wanted to join. And the first yes came from a C-suite uh, exec at a Fortune 50 company. 
Um, so it really just showed that there was certainly a product market fit and that people at this level really wanted something specific for them that was different from what the ecosystem was offering. So, so many people hear the word no, they get defeated, especially in the investor space. You know, that seemed to not, that seemed to inspire you. How did you achieve that mentality that while so many women are like, oh, I can't handle another no, you were like, oh, bring it? I think we were into the underdog idea. I I know you just mentioned that we raised so much money, but we still feel like underdogs. We still feel like there is so much we can do and so much we can offer. And and the shininess of of being a founder, a lot of that is like media made. It's not real. What's real is it's finding that success in business and and digging into the operations. Um, so we certainly used those no's to fuel us. I think my co-founder and I, we're very different people. I mentioned um, uh, she she was COO at Handy. She's an operator. She went to Harvard Business School. She has like incredible business acumen. And I come from publishing and media and uh, probably work more with my gut than I do wait for the data. Um, But we have very similar values. And at the end of the day, we are two women from upstate New York who were raised middle class, who both came to New York City and wanted to uh, succeed in our own way. And so I think we just hunkered down and wanted to figure out how we could take all of those no's and use them to just inspire us to keep going and to prove everybody wrong. I love the the theme of proving people wrong. It's what makes me happy. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy that uh, I have a fellow kindred spirit here. I mean, I'll I'll say this. Even my family was surprised that I am an entrepreneur now. They were like, Lindsay, you growing up, like you were this little like book nerd and you liked art and you went to, you know, you studied English and creative writing. Nobody thought that I was going to end up in business. So I'm a I'm a big fan of of A. Yes, I love proving people wrong, but B, not necessarily falling into the trap of of what something should be, right? You can be artistic and still be an entrepreneur. You could be uh, a creative writing major and still end up with a big-ass business. So I like to prove people wrong, and I like to just kind of flip the narrative of what stereotypes people assume should be something that maybe they they don't necessarily need to be at all. Totally. I think that's what's fascinating to me about so many of the people I interview is they don't necessarily start out and end up at, at, the, at a linear place. So let's get into the hard stuff. It's 2019. You've just launched. 2020 is right around the corner. You really, you had a physical space or you have a physical space, a lease, women signed up and COVID happens. What was your immediate reaction steps, panic, and how did you pivot? Well, if I'm going to be vulnerable, I'll tell you, I had a complete nervous breakdown when COVID hit. 
Um, I had actually been on mat leave. I had my second baby January 2020. So in March, I was planning on coming back and there was nothing to come back to. Right. right. Like here I am uh, trying to handle a four-year-old, a newborn, this company, and I have never been so scared in my entire life about my family, everyone's health, and the business. Um, and my co-founder, who is a rock, I mean, she this is a very steady person, Uh she really led the company into an overnight pivot from in-person to online. And over the coming months, the team was incredible and rallied around, how do we make sure that we're supporting all of our members who are going through similar experiences to me, who are worried about their families, who are trapped at home with children, who are navigating, you know, uh, loss and grief and and trying to figure out how to work through that. And so what was personally so scary, we realized was so critical for our members to overcome as well. And so we just doubled down on events and programming and building a really meaningful platform online so that everybody who was captive at home had a place and a community. Um, and I think Chief grew in 2020 because of that, not despite it. And we ended up uh, doubling that year. And it was really significant to uh, the future of Chief. Wow. That's incredible. Um, did you find that when when you felt like, I, I don't even know if I should say the pandemic's over, but when you felt like things were easing, that the desire for in-person, you almost had to restructure once again, or were you guys ready for it? I don't think we were ready because the pandemic happened all at once and the entire world had to pivot, not just us. And the pandemic never really ended, you know, like I, I had COVID, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago. Like it's it's still here. Um, and I like to say, you know, the, the pandemic isn't over, but it feels like a lot of us decided we're over the pandemic. And so there was no immediate shift back to in-person. There was this weird, slow, two steps forward, one step back, vaccines, outbreaks, rapid tests that we were really conservative about because we wanted to make sure that we were putting in best practices and always making sure we were prioritizing the health and safety of our team. And so I think it's been um, it's been difficult for us, I think, to swing back into how do we now get back to in-person and do it in a way that can be safe and can really um, be impactful for a community that's now 20,000 deep. So how do you create intimacy with 20,000 people or how do you create that feeling of one-on-one -on -one and, and, you know, tapping into what these women need? Yeah. So the foundation of Chief is our service called Core Groups. We do a really big intake of every member and then we spend a few weeks curating uh, groups of 10 to 12. Those groups meet monthly with an executive coach. And when we're curating, we're actually not putting people from the same roles and functions together. So uh, we're not putting 10 marketers together or 10 people from fashion. We're actually purposefully putting together a group that is at the same level of seniority, 
So you kind of understand the magnitude of the decision-making and the challenges, but are from uh, different categories. So you're getting that different perspective that can help you uh, navigate through all of your challenges as an executive. And those groups create an insane amount of intimacy. I, I have a core group, shout out to my core group. And the amount of the amount that I have I have divulged to them about my personal professional challenges has led me to a place of deep vulnerability that only they could really get me through and give me the clearest best advice on on how to move forward. And so those core groups are just the like like pure concentration of intimacy. Um, and then from there, we have broader community groups. So we have groups that are meeting on a local level, a hyper-local level. Like I know there's an Upper West Side chief group. Um, there's also a New York chief group. Um, and then we have groups that are um, based on on function. So startups and marketing and finance, um, as well as interests. So uh, whether that's a professional interest, like our group that is interested in board services to put more women on boards, um, we have a uh, moving the needle group about social impact, um, and then we have a group that drinks wine together, and that's also one of my favorite groups as well. So within these this powerful 20,000 and growing, there are these amazing pockets of people uh, for you to meet with and connect. And what do you think your you know, you mentioned getting vulnerable and I'm part of a lot of groups. What do you think has been, what's let you and others get vulnerable? Because I still sometimes feel like we're in these groups. I'm not talking about chief, but yeah. And it's like, you still don't want to give it up, you know? Cause you're like, Oh, they, you know, like I can vomit to my best friend about what's going on. But in looking to encourage women to do it, like I'm like, oh, I still got to pretend that every, you know, some, not pretend, but like I can't go, I can't vomit too hard, <laughs> you know, or the people will start running. So well, I think it's, I think it's the terrible, it, it's, it's how I felt back when I was at Casper that I have to be this, this model VP that people respect and so it, it's almost it almost shows up in different ways for for women. Like when you think about how guys can kind of show up in a in a hoodie and look like that, you know, startup entrepreneur. I don't really have an equivalent hoodie as as an entrepreneurial woman, right? I'm still expected to wear like a crisp blazer and heels. Um, the this feeling of being the other means that we still have to feel like we're the model other. Um, and why I love our core group so much is because th the members of, of these groups are from very different categories, functions. And so you you can be super vulnerable. You can vomit as much as you want because they're not they're not in your industry. They're not really judging you. They get it, but they're not they're not there with you in a way that allows you to, normalize what you're going through, um, but not feel like you're being judged. And I think women who are leaders, I hope, I hope more leaders can feel like they can be vulnerable to their teams, um, with their colleagues, because I think 
as as we as we reach these tops, it's our job to pave the way for others, right? Like this is not this is not the eighties. We're not closing the boardroom door behind us, and some of that means modeling vulnerability. It means like you know allowing you to hear my dog barking and knowing that like my kids are running around and that like I am a mess and I am a proud proud mess. And if anybody wants to like talk about being messy, like my door is open because there is no way that I am juggling being a mom of two, a dog owner, being a, a good uh you know partner to my to my husband and running a business. There's no way I'm doing that. Uh, and not dropping balls and creating a mess in my wake. I am, and I am proud of it, and I will talk about it so that other people feel comfortable talking about it as well. I love that you say you're a proud mess. I've recently gotten there, and I'm just like... (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Everything's always almost going to fall apart, but somehow it doesn't, but it's we're just on the edge all the time. So I'm, I'm grateful to hear that it's the same. So... It's well the the problem is it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable to be living in a place where you're always on the brink and knowing everything's about to collapse any minute. And for whatever reason for me I find when I talk about it I don't feel like I am on the brink as much because the more you talk about it the more you set expectations for other people about what you can deliver. Uh number 1 which is you know being really clear about about what you can say yes to, your own limitations. But then also just when you are on the brink and you feel like you're going to fall off, you need to know that there are other people there so that if you do fall and when you fall, you're not afraid of it, but you know there's going to be support. It is like the ultimate trust fall of being a busy, crazy woman of, is knowing that you've you've let people know that you're going to need hands and arms to, to catch you. So speaking of the arms and hands to catch you, you had your second baby pandemic partner. Now you have a growing, thriving company. You took on a huge investment. How, how do you do it? And who's your team? Um, that is such a good question. I love that because talking about team is not something I'm ever asked about. Um, and I've mentioned my co-founder, Carolyn, most multiple times because she's such an important partner to me. Carolyn does not have kids. And the level of support that I, I get from her and the level of empathy and understanding is incredible. Probably the biggest person on my team is, is my family's nanny, Andrea, who is like the greatest, most kind phenomenal human in the world. I am ADHD. I am messy. I am all over the place. And there is a great comfort in knowing that there is an organized, incredible, loving person that is helping me in my household with my kids. So um, Andrea has been with my family since my older one was three months. And I don't know why we never talk about like the people who are like helping us. And I just like huge shout out to Andrea because she is, she is my family's rock. And then the team at, at Chief is, is amazing. There are so many people who are working through their own Michigas and working through their own craziness in life and kids and, 
family issues and caregiving. And what's wonderful about working at a company that is for women is that not everybody at Chief is a woman um, and not everybody at Chief is a caregiver. Um, but that mentality kind of bleeds through the entire organization that we are there for each other, that we are prioritizing mental health, um, and that we are treating each other like humans. And so I'm really thankful to everybody that I work with. I could not even begin to name all the names that that pick up the slack from one another when somebody needs time or somebody's on that ledge we just talked about. I love that you mentioned your nanny. I call my next startup, if I ever ever were to do a new business would be, it'd be called wife and oh we, would, we would have wives, right? Can we, okay. When, when I'm, when I'm through with chief, you and I will have to co-found that because <laughs> that sounds amazing. Or at the very least, like, let me empty my pockets to get in on it. <laughs> Perfect. Because, you know, I think for working women, what we're realizing is a, we need a wife, right? That's the wife that's had the kids that knows how to sign up for like the play dates and all the shit and the nanny is great, but then you want them focused on the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I can't wait to launch that. So I always, I always like to ask about team because it is impossible to do this job without one. And people go, Oh, you're such a super woman. I'm like, no, I just have a team, you know? And, and, and I don't, and I want to dissuade this myth that one woman can do it alone and not go crazy. I, I love that because when people say, you know, the myth of a woman having it all, we never talk about a man having it all, first of all, right? Like that seems doable for all men. But as a woman, why do we talk about having it all? And I think the real, the real verb is not having, it is doing. And we can't do it alone. It's impossible. Correct. A hundred percent. So what's next for you professionally, personally could be the same, could be what you're doing now? I feel terrible because I don't have a good answer for personally. And I should, because my advice to other people is to always, you know, prioritize yourself and think about what you want. But I can say professionally, Chief is expanding to the UK. So we are welcoming members from the United Kingdom and launching a clubhouse in London um, in 2023. And we're really excited about what's next because our, our mission is to change the face of leadership. And so we started at this place of people who are already leading, but I think there is so much room for us to expand into how we continue to change what leadership looks like um, in the future. So I'm I'm really excited for what's next. And um, I'm, you know, personally, I am day to day flying by the seat of my pants. So <laughs> we'll see what tomorrow brings. I feel you. I feel you hard there. Um, so the last two questions I like to ask all my guests are, what would we be surprised to know about you? And what advice would you like to pass on that's either hard won or someone gave you and actually was decent? So um, something that if you're not a chief team employee, you may not know about me is that I have a full-blown chicken suit, chicken costume. Um, it's an inside joke at Chief. And once or twice a year, I dress up head to toe as this like giant chicken and I do this chicken dance. So, you know, you would never expect from knowing me that I moonlight as a chicken. I love that. 
Um, a great piece of advice that actually was shared in my chief core group by uh, one of my core group members, Gabby Harada, who I love. She's the CEO of DVF. Gabby is like the ultimate go-getter. She is like, she's just the the biggest badass I've ever met. And she told me, Lindsay, you control your calendar or your calendar controls you. Yep. And I loved that advice. And anytime I feel like I'm on the brink, the first thing I do is go to my calendar and say like, this is my life. This is my time. What can I do? What is within my power to move, to change, and to take back some control of my time? I think that is so incredibly important because my calendar ran my life for so many years. Yeah. And then I just was like, you know what? If I upset someone by moving someone, like, fuck it. Like my sanity needs to come first or my children today have to come first and so be it. Yeah. So if you, if you get a moved calendar invite from me, know that it's me and not you, right? <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. So where can people find out about Chi, find out if they're right for Chief? Give me all the goods. Yeah. You can go to chief.com. My amazing team on LinkedIn. You can follow Chief on LinkedIn. And um, you, you can apply right on chief.com as well if you're interested in applying to be a member. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited for what you're building and where you're going and how you're changing. Thank you. I am the biggest fan of yours. So it was such oh. an honor to have a conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Take care. Talk soon. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.